Welcome to Real Estate Coaching Radio, starring award-winning real estate coaches and number one international best-selling authors, Tim and Julie Harris. Real Estate Coaching Radio is the nation's number one daily radio show for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Get ready for fluff-free, unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what's truly working to get you into action, helping others, and making money now in today's real estate market. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back. First of all, before we finish out the topic we started a couple days, which is how to work with new build reps, we're going to talk a little bit about the fact that today is the last day of the month and tomorrow is the first day of the month, right? It happens about every 30 days approximately where where the months change. <clears throat> what else happens on the change of the month? What should you be paying a very, very special attention to, especially this time of year? the expired listings. Did you go to your MOS today and look to see the number of expireds that popped up in your marketplace? Did you look? Did you? If you didn't, shame on you. That's really the only way to say it because you're missing one of the greatest opportunities at one of the best times of year to be going after expireds. Expired listings this time of year are going to be plentiful and most agents aren't going to be calling and the expireds that you're going to be seeing this time of year are the ones that didn't sell over the summer. So we're not going to focus on today's podcast on going after expires. There is a plethora, a ton, a mountain of information about how to go after expires on Premier Coaching in our uh, coaching program. But here's really the bottom line. Whether you're in the coaching program or not, go to the MOS, look to see how many expires there were in your marketplace. Now, I said marketplace. I didn't say, say your area or your neighborhood because you guys play games with that. You'll say, one well, MLS a lot of expired. Exactly. You'll say there's not a lot of uh, – in your tiny little MLS area code that you put into Julie's Point, you'll just search in one little micro area and just try to rationalize. Not a lot of expired. one less thing I have to learn. No. I said search in the entire MLS just so you can see what the numbers are. And if you want something – if you want to just take this to the next level – Go back and look for the entire year to see the number of expires that were been that have, uh, you know were, were expiring for the last almost 11 months. What you'll discover, and what I'm hoping you understand, is that expired listings in a changing market are an absolute incredible opportunity to help people make money. Why? Because other agents don't know how to get the prices down because they've only been selling during a seller's market. 90%, if not 95% of all the houses listed right now are not listed by agents who really have that great of listing skills. They got the listings because they had social connections or some other sort of you know, connection to the seller. There was no professional approach. There is no professional approach being taken to counsel the seller to reposition the house in the market so that it correctly reflects the price, uh, you know, correctly reflects the market conditions now, i.e. price. None of that is happening. Because agents haven't had to have that skill set because they've been selling only in a seller's market where the listing sells itself. So all of the listings, vast majority of the listings in your MLS are going to be, if, they're, if the agents don't get it right the first time or if they don't go after the seller the second time to get it repositioned in the market, that's code for lowering the price, the houses are going to expire. Those could be your listings. And in many of your MLSs, if you're willing to actually search outside of an area that's your tiny little two streets that you consider your territory, you're going to discover that there are hundreds of thousands, depending on how big your market is, 
at least thousands of houses that have been expiring the whole year that you've been letting get by you. And the most listings expire at the end of the month in the beginning. And sometimes it's like like last two days of the month and first two days of the following month. Why? Because brokers, agents set their listings to expire at the end of the month. And sometimes the MLSs will have them show up as expired at the end of the month, and sometimes they take the next day or so. Um, call them, guys. You've got to be soliciting, oh, I don't want a phone. I would da, 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 do da, whatever, whatever. Knock on their door. How many of those expired listings would you have to get to really have an incredible amount of momentum going into next year? Some of you, it's five. Some of you, it's ten. Look, you're going to be running into the objection, and I understand it, right? I want to wait until list uh, to you know put my house for sale into the spring. On Premier Coaching, we've got coaching about how to overcome that objection. But I'm going to tell you, even with our great coaching, as far as overcoming that objection, you're only going to overcome it really 80% of the time, and that's fine because you're going to need inventory in the spring. Right. The goal for you right now is to take advantage of the other agents in your marketplace who are asleep at the wheel, who are not paying attention, and you can go in there and you can build your listing inventory up. Guys, if you've never had listing inventory, which again, a lot of you have been never had inventory. You may have had a listing that sold itself, but you've never carried 5 or 10 or 15 or 20 listings at all times. That is a wonderful business challenge, but what it does is it gives you consistent cash flow. That's where our magic number formula comes from. And so just taking this thought to the next level, I'm going to give you a quick crash course on the magic number formula. And I'm going to tell you how you can get it, uh, download it yourself for free, and how you can basically know what your own magic number is. In most markets, for most agents, if you had 10 listings at all times, you would never have to work with a buyer again. You'd never have to worry about um, you know, the, uh, all the weird little conversations that people like to have about lead generation. You'd never have to buy a lead. You'd never have to worry about your logo. You'd never have to worry about your data collection. You'd never have to worry about any of those things if you had 10 listings at all times. And getting 10 listings at all times in every single market in the country is not difficult. Matter of fact, as I hopefully am making this point this time of year, it's actually shockingly easy. You will uh, talk with the seller, you'll call them, you'll knock on the door, an expired listing let's say, and you'll discover that nobody else, including the previous listing agent, has done anything to try to solicit that listing. The previous listing agent didn't try to call and retain it because they were embarrassed it didn't sell, the, uh, and no other agents have actually solicited that seller. Now, they will get some crap in the mail. But it's not the same as direct contact. That's the reason Julia and I will always be advocates, vocal advocates, of being proactive about your lead generation. It impresses the seller that you are somebody who's proactive, which is the exact opposite of their previous listing agent who obviously wasn't proactive at all, who didn't get the house sold. If you guys want to differentiate yourself in this marketplace, I know you think you're supposed to brag about your Instagram followers and your Facebook followers and your digital marketing and all the little Mickey Mouse things that you guys are all – everybody is saying the same thing now. That's the problem. And a seller sees through it. If you want to differentiate yourself, if you truly want to make yourself special in the eyes of the seller, be the person that actually communicates with them when the listing expires or when you have the listing active Radical. under your, you know, with your listing. Be the person who calls them. The way you differentiate yourself is communication, direct, proactive communication. You guys understanding what I'm saying here? Now, you can use all the digital stuff to enhance that but not replace it. We talked about that on many podcasts. But here's the real interesting aspect of going after expires this time of year and what your magic number should be. They're going to be receptive. They're going to be appreciative. Use our scripts. They're non-confrontational. They're collaborative. All of our scripts and all the whole listing process that we uh, 
share with you guys is all designed to, for the seller to logically, um, non-emotionally practically, decide to list the house with you because you're helping them to solve a problem. And that's the collaborative aspect of the way Julie and I have created our copywritten listing process is that it's collaborative. It's not a sales thing. You're not going to feel like you're trying to twist arms because you're not. It's a, when they decide to do business with you, it's the natural conclusion of a conversation. That's all it is. It's just like, okay, let's get the paperwork out of the way. That's the close. It's not difficult, guys. So if you had 10 listings at all times, and let's say you're in a marketplace where your average listing is $300,000, Adjust accordingly, folks. And let's say your commission is 3% on the list side. Again, you're not going to work with any buyers. You're not even going to try to double in your listings. You're just going to be the guy or gal who just lists 10 houses at all times, and that's it. Even in an adjusting market, what Julie and I are calling phase two of the housing reset, you can go and listen to our past podcasts or go to timandjulieharris.com and just put in the keyword reset. Even in a housing reset, you're going to have on average two to three listings sell per month. That's just basically the way it's going to work, assuming they're not lots or assuming they're not, you know, normal single-family houses. You should be – if you price them correctly, you should be able to sell. And by you, I mean you're going to put them in the MLS, and the other agents are going to sell them for you two to three houses per month. Now, in some markets, you're going to be selling in a really challenging market. You might need to have 20 listings or 30 listings, but for the most part, the magic number for most of you guys listing is going to be only 10 listings. So if you had 10 listings at all times, and you had two to three sell per month, and each of them, now this is you know gross commission, each of them pays you $9,000. That means you're going to make as little as $18,000 as much as $27,000 a month, which means over the course of a year, you'll make as little as what, over $200,000 to the mid $300,000 range if you just had 10 listings at all times. That's it. That's the magic number formula. You, know, you have to adjust accordingly. Like I said, if you want information on how to figure this out, it's part of the real estate treasure map, which we give you for free when you request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. It's one of the books that we give you that you can download. It's fill in the blank. It walks you through all the math. This is the most important thing that you need to get clear in your head. All the other things in real estate are optional. Working with buyers, forming a team, doing all this sort of fancy marketing, worrying about your website, worrying about your SEO, worrying about all these other things that people are trying to sell you. Which CRM are you going to choose? The big question. <laughs> you know, oh, my God, what kind of digital lead follow-up are you going to – none of that matters if you know your magic number of listings that you need to have at all times and just focus all your best energies on that. And learn how to go get 10 listings at all times. You might know you need five listings at all times. This is, how you, this is the blessing aspect of real estate. What all of you guys have a tendency to do is, is forget the blessing aspect. It's called listings, which equal leverage, which give you freedom, which makes it so you have a profitable business. You guys forget about that, and you focus on all the complicated analytical crap that makes you broke and frustrates you. So here's the thought for you. How much money does it take to go after the business the way we prescribe that you do it? Virtually nothing. We're not asking you to buy listing leads. Hell no, don't buy listing leads. You can't really. Don't buy buyer leads. Don't buy leads, period. Go get your own. Go get your own. And then how long you decide to take to get to 10 listings or whatever your magic number is, that is what you should be focused on right now. That's the reason I want you hunting expireds right now or FISBOs or all the other 50 ways we teach you to go after sellers. Do that right now. Walk into next year with your magic number of listings. And then what you do, your job becomes to service the hell out of those sellers, make them feel like they're king of the world or queen of the world, right? And then once those listings sell, you're going to negotiate contracts. Once those listings sell, you just replace them. 
That's it. So the work part is getting up to your magic number of listings. And for most of you, if you really drill down, especially this time of year, it'll take you maybe 90 to 120 days. Because you've got to learn the skill set. You're going to have to learn how to do it. But once you do it, once you have that magic number of form, uh, you know, imagine a dry erase board with 10 listings. When three sell, just replace them. But it's easier at that point because you don't have to build up to 10. You have to you know, basically just replace the three that are selling per month or whatever the number is. Sure, you'll sell some on the, you know, on the way up, but that's okay too, right? You guys get the point? Is this complicated what I just said, Julie? I mean, is it some kind of 14-step no. process? It's not complicated, right? No, and I'm glad that you mentioned the part about building the inventory is the more challenging part, but that once you're there, replacing them as they sell, we call that cruising altitude when you talk about the jet taking off analogy. You know, you expend most of the fuel on takeoff. That is building your inventory. That means making sure you've got your pre-listing package done, you know how to present it, you've got your scripts, you know how to close. Yes, we're front-loading with that work, but once you're at that magic number, it really is a magic number because then you get into lather, rinse, repeat. You sell one, you replace it. You sell one, you replace it. When you're building inventory, you have to sell one and replace it with two or your inventory won't grow, which is why we always go back to the more obvious spokes like for sale by owners, expireds, probate, things that are more immediate because you can build it faster and get to cruising altitude faster. So I'm glad you mentioned that. The other reason that we really drill down on the proactive things is because you can control it. Like if Facebook changes their algorithm and your business is dependent on buying, let's be honest, really crappy leads off Facebook, but then Facebook changes their algorithm. Just, you know, Mark Zuckerberg has a brain fart and boom, you're screwed. Then what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go move over to Google. Same thing happens. And blah, blah, blah. I'm going to do postcards. I'm going to do all these other things. I'm going to do direct mail postcards. Okay, well, so will 10 other agents. They're going to copy your exact postcards. Your, your idea is oversaturated. It's never going to work. Well, you know what, Tim? <laughs> oh, I'm smart. Oh, I got it. I'm going to form a team. I'm going to hire a bunch of sales reps to do all the heavy lifting for me. I'm going to – no, you're not. It's never going to work. This Look, guys. We're doing a series of podcasts right now uh, and interviews, really, and we're interviewing. It's going to be about 20 to 25 interviews. I'm hoping now these done. Ugh, it's a lot of work. By the end of the year, and then I'm going to release them in January. We're going to release them in January, rather. And here's what the recurring theme is, that most of the brokers and most of the teams out there are making literally virtually no profit. Real, I know it's hard to believe because it doesn't even make sense. Why would all these people be advocating – you know, all these coaches and these gurus and these brokers, why would they be telling me to form a team if it doesn't form any profit? Because they make money off you forming a team. That's why. Because their interests are not in alignment with yours to the extent that what's best for you in making a profit. I know that boggles the brain, but it's true. And you're going to hear from these interviews. And I didn't seek out people that would say that. They just all say that themselves. I had a guy on yesterday whose company did um, – look – like I said, guys, look, it's 2%. That's what most of these brokers are making, 2%. And most of these teams are making around 6 or 7%. And none of these businesses are sellable, not even though on the brokerage side, not in a meaningful way, not in a way that, frankly, makes any financial sense. So, guys, the path to real making money in real estate is accepting the fact, and you should all write this down, never forget it, is you don't get rich selling houses. You do not get rich selling houses or condos, or land, or what the hell else ever. You get rich with the profit that comes from doing those activities and then reinvesting that money that, into something that creates passive income. 
Passive income is where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money, which is also our definition of being rich. It's simple, where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. But you're never going to get there unless, A, you don't learn how to sell, B, you don't learn how to run a very, very profitable business. By very, very profitable, I mean like 50%, 60% margins at least. And frankly, last point is until you actually decide to take that profit and non-emotionally invest it into things that are going to create passive income for you. You, Virtually all of you listening, no matter where you're listening in the world, and I know some of you are listening in, you know, all over the place, all over the globe, you can create the same thing wherever you live. You just have to drill. You, it, it, the hard part is saying no, or rather, as some of you guys are realizing, saying hell no to all the mental and emotional distractions that are out there. All these people that are telling you you're supposed to be paying attention to all this static, all this noise. Oh, it's confusing, especially if you're – look, it's, it's just an absolute shit show of information that's out there. Okay? It's a fact. But what if you were to decide just to basically make your life all about the real estate magic number? What if you were to decide just to make all your life about getting to your magic number and then keeping, their, uh, keeping it up that number when you, stuff sells off? What if you were just to decide to say no to all these other things and focus just on that? How much better would you feel? You know, the funny part is you'd feel a little isolated because everybody else would be chasing all these other little phantoms around. Everyone else would be you know, going to all these meetings and learning how to do all this other Mickey Mouse stuff that doesn't actually make them money. It might generate revenue, but it doesn't create profit. Julie, do you think they're understanding what we're trying to you know, explain I think so. to them? I, I mean, hopefully we're being clear enough <clears throat> excuse me, about the magic number. But, yeah, it's, it, I'm sure it can seem so simple that there will be skeptics out there. You know, well, I can't be that easy. Well, you, you won't know until you try it, right? It's so much more simple just concentrating on listings because when you have that, the rest of the business really does pretty much self-generate. You're going to generate buyer leads because you have listings. You're going to have marketing to do because you have listings. You're going to probably have to get yourself a transaction coordinator if you don't already have one. You're going to have to be a great pre-qualifier. You'll learn to be a great negotiator if you're not already. You know, it, it creates the work that has to do with profitability versus leading with the stuff that is work avoidance, which doesn't lead to profitability. In fact, it's the exact opposite because you're paying for that stuff. Getting to 10 listings without buying the leads is so much more efficient it's more profitable. You're not giving out your credit card number to try well, something out all the time. You can't really buy. Yeah. You can't really buy seller leads. Not not really. Not really. So, so listen, so listen, guys. What what we're going to do for the rest of the time on today's podcast? And Julie, I want you to read some of the emails that we've been getting on tomorrow's yes, show. As a matter of fact, if you want, oh. if you just if tomorrow's show, if you just wanted to do a, a show tomorrow on responding to some of the emails. I know we have other topics set aside, but that might be a good idea so we can get caught up. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. yeah, it's fun too. So Julie is going to finish up what she started a couple of days ago talking about um, builders, and I'm going to do my best to shut up. <laughs> okay, no worries. So we're laugh? talking about – well, that's all right. Rant over maybe. We'll see how it goes. I'm sure yeah. I'll instigate a new one. Uh, so here's the thing. We're talking about new construction as a spoke. This – obviously is related to your magic number. Now, we like new construction a lot because you can actually build your listing inventory fairly quickly when you have the right builder, the right situation, that's one relationship, multiple things to sell. 
So this is one very efficient way to get to that magic number and maybe even exceed your magic number with a little buffer zone worth of listings, which is a good thing too. So we already talked about different types of new construction, everything from you know, urban and suburban infill to condos to townhomes to traditional single-family new construction neighborhoods. So we talked about that on the previous podcast, and we talked about why you care about new construction and how to find it. So now we're going to move on to the various opportunities available when you really take this spoke seriously. I'm going to start with the absolute easiest way to dip your feet into this, and then we'll go to the most advanced probably on a third part of this uh, podcast. So most easy to do. Point number one, taking action on new construction. Sit in the new construction model home during the hours the builder doesn't have coverage. Sell their product when you can and keep the leads who don't build with that builder or who don't build at all. Think, listing leads. Most people building have something to sell before they can close on the new construction. Also, obviously, buyer leads. Now, I'll give an example of this. This is right out of our premier coaching um, class. One of my coaching members there worked out a deal with actually a fairly big builder. I want to say it was KB Homes. It was one of these um, kind of track builder types that have you know 200 homes per neighborhood type of deal. She worked out a deal because they had a new area being opened up, and the builder didn't have enough coverage in the model home. She did not come on as an employee of the builder, but he is allowing her to sit in the model when it wasn't covered by his regular model agents. If she sells that product, she makes 4%. If she doesn't, she can keep the leads. I thought that was a pretty sweet deal, and she's only doing it like two days a week. Okay, so that's an example. Does she have a listing contract with that builder? No, but she's still taking advantage of this. So this is, again, the easiest way to learn the product, to get going on new construction, and to generate business. Anything you want to add to that mini-spoke? Nope. Okay, I, perfect. Like I said, I'm, challenge, I'm challenging myself <laughs> to keep my app shut. All right, good. So number two, create – this is, again, escalating in more skilled stuff. Number two, create a relationship with the new build reps and or the sales managers at different projects where they refer the resale listings to you. If they're licensed, you can pay them a referral fee. If they're not licensed, you can show your gratitude by selling more of their product and or maybe some gift cards or things of that nature. So remember, the new build rep does not, in most cases, is not even required to be licensed. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. But most of the time, the builder has a contract with them that says, you will not do resale. You work for me. So what happens to those resale referrals? It should go to one of you guys listening. Okay. Again, you don't have to have a listing contract signed with them. With the builder, you are just building a relationship to get listing leads from what they are already generating, which is a great thing because you're not paying for any of that, except in the form of a referral fee. Okay, <clears throat> going more advanced, actually list the spec homes the builder has under construction. What is a spec home? It's a house that's being built speculatively. So typically, maybe a builder is building you know, 50 homes in a neighborhood, and they have contracts maybe on 15 now, and they've got a lot of traffic coming in the door for future construction. But they also have three or four uh, inventory homes, so to speak, under construction. So they may list those with you. You don't have to list the whole subdivision, even if you only listed one of their spec homes. This is an avenue to listing new construction. And Tim, you and I used to do this fairly frequently with several different builders. 
anything from ones and twos to the, like the you know um, custom higher end stuff to entire condo and townhome subdivisions. So there's lots of ways you can do this, but again, it's a little bit more advanced. Going up the food chain, we have number four. After you learn to work with the builders, you can potentially do what I just mentioned, list every listing the builder has, representing them on the whole project. Sometimes this is listing the lots in the beginning and selling them to other builders, but really what we're going after here is all of the new construction in a given subdivision. Okay? And you can you know, work out lots of different types of deals with builders that way. There's no set in stone type of thing. Not unusual to do them under a little bit of a um, you know, adjusted commission because you know, it could be 200 homes, even if it's 20 homes. So be flexible and know that there's lots of ways to create that. Then number five, sell as much of that project you can yourself, ideally to your own buyers. Now you're making both sides of this, controlling more of the project, keeping the builder as happy as possible, so you then can work on future developments with that builder, perhaps from the ground up. Okay, more advanced than that, and I'm going to do these quickly because I've got to get to Premier. Number six, bring the builder or developer the land yourself, sell them the land, list their new construction homes, sell those homes, lather, rinse, repeat. And we have many examples. Tim, you and I are both coaching people in our elite program that do that. My number seven, and I've got somebody doing this. I think you do too. Develop the land yourself with investors. This may include house-by-house house teardowns, rehabs, or larger projects. So that is from the easiest, sitting in the new construction model home, to the most advanced, actually starting to develop on your own with many steps in between. And I'm going to turn the call over to you, Tim, so I can get set up for Premier. Well, we're going to pick up tomorrow, where we left off today, talking about this very same topic. This builder opportunity varies depending on your marketplace. Um, I'm going to take, you know, Julie mentioned a point three points ago, which is we did really well with these small and medium-sized builders. And as Julie just said, what we would do is we would go once the essence of the relationship we'd make with one of these builders is if we sold one of their houses to one of our buyers, we would have a conversation where uh, they would list the next house with us. And we, so if they had a spec that was going on, we would get that listing. And there were quite a few builders. There were like six builders in our marketplace that we had that relationship with. If we sold one, we got one. We sold one, we got one. Then eventually, they just listed them with us automatically. You can drive around. And th what's interesting is you're going to find some of the best small to medium-sized builders in the upper – let's say the, the, the mid-upper to the upper-end price ranges because that's the only real place they can make enough margins anymore to make a decent profit. So when you drive around in these little, um, you know, they're generally speaking, like I said, they're going to be some of the nicer areas in your community. You're going ones that aren't controlled by these big track builders. You're going to see occasional signs that are just random signs. You'll see a sign from a builder that maybe has one house under uh, construction and maybe has two other lots. Well, why don't you contact that guy and you say, listen, what's going on with these two other lots? I see you just you're doing a fantastic job building this house. First of all, is that house sold? Is it for a client? Or is it a spec? Assuming it's sold, then say, why don't you list those other lots with me, and we will uh, put some elevations as, uh, for examples of what could go there. We'll put those in the MLS as a to-be-built house, obviously fully disclosed in the MLS that it's a to-be-built house. And then you start generating potential leads for that builder. There's no downside for him, and you'll very likely bring a buyer uh, on that um, property, and you 
you know, obviously you get the listing. And by the way, that buyer in that price point probably also has a house to sell. You guys see how all this works? So the key to basically having longevity in real estate is definitely through listings because when you have listings, and here's the other thing that really is important. Julie mentioned working with buyers. I mentioned working with buyers. A lot of our personal elite clients, they don't even ever want to work with a buyer, never. So unless it's like a really nice, juicy, high-end buyer, we suggest to all of our uh, high-end agents, our elite personal elite clients, that they always have two or three buyers that they're working with, you know, people that they like, very you know, high-end or profitable, the, essentially the cream. We want them always in the marketplace because the buyers are going to see the change in the market before the listing agents are. So if buyers' preferences change or you know, it helps you to stay frosty. So top-end, high-end agents, we always suggest you have two or three great buyers that you're working with. Uh, at all times. But for all the other buyer leads that are going to come off all your listings when you have your magic number of listings, you can refer those off to other agents in your marketplace. You know, pre-qualify them, find out if they have houses to sell. If they have houses to sell, go out and grab the listings. And if they don't, uh, refer them off as just straight up buyers. Or if they even do have a house to sell, you go get the listing and then you refer that buyer off to another agent. And by another agent, I don't mean somebody that works as part of your team. Because you will actually make more money faster off referral fees, referring those buyers out, than if you try to basically have somebody come and work for you. Nine times out of ten, you're going to be better off if you have like five or six agents in your marketplace who you know do a great job with buyers, don't even have any interest in sellers. There's a lot of buyer's agents out there that don't even want to ever become listing agents. That's great. So get those buyers to those agents and then charge those agents a referral fee, 25%, 30% referral fee. And you will find that that is a great passive way for you to create some income. And you know those buyers are going to get sold because you've already uh, vetted who the buyer's agents were going to be. This is the, it's very important you guys understand this. You'll actually make more profit referring out your buyer leads than had you formed a buyer's agent staff and tried to basically, you know, buy leads for your buyer's agents, handhold the buyer's agents, service the buyer's agents, close the buy, blah, 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 all the things that basically come with forming a team nowadays, you would make more profit for buyer-side transaction if you just referred those buyer leads out, 30%, 35% in some cases. In some markets, you actually can refer a decent-sized buyer out for 40%, and, the buyer, and a good buyer's agent will take it. You guys listening to what I'm saying here? So please, take this seriously. You're, bus you're not in business to run a nonprofit, are you? I mean, your biz the point of your business is to make a profit. With that profit, you reinvest it. This is the last day of the month. Tomorrow's the first day of the month. It's expired Palooza. Yes, I know it's Halloween. You want to go trick-or-treating, and that's fine. Obviously, go do that with your children. Some of you are doing it by yourselves. I get it. You need food for the winter. That's a joke. But for the rest of you, I want you to seriously go after the these expireds. Get your real estate treasure map filled out. Uh, know what your magic number, of form, uh, magic number of listings is through the magic number formula, which is part of the real estate treasure map. You get that free when you go to free coaching calls for agents, free coaching calls for agents.com, free coaching calls for agents.com. In the meantime, if you guys need us for anything, if you'd like to send us an email, Tim at timandjulieharris.com or Julie at timandjulieharris.com. Have a fantastic day. We'll talk with you on the show tomorrow. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio 
with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.